What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Got always the favorite show of the week, reviewing the defense on the day after the game. And here to do it with me is my friend, uh, Jason Smith. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? It's been a long time since we've talked. I'm doing really well, Ken. Hanging in there. I got a new show coming up and just enjoying the uh, end of my Orioles kind of uh, review and heading into the Ravens season, man. I love it. It's been a, been a, been a very fun Orioles season. It certainly uh, uh, kept my attention all summer. I've been watching the minor leagues before the Orioles got good, and now the Orioles are good. And uh, they're uh, they're bringing up a lot of those good minor league players with Rutschman first. Uh, don't know if, if the word has come out yet about Gunner, but it should be pretty darn soon now. I'm, I'm excited. It, it, this is the way we had to do it, Ken. You know, we're not going to be able to compete with the Yankees, Red Sox, even the Blue Jays in that division. So, I mean, when we were growing up, Ken, uh, not to date us, but we had the strongest farm system and seemed like every year there was somebody new coming up, making a name for themselves. So I'm I'm really happy that it's finally coming to fruition. I was lo- losing a little patience, but never faith. Like, uh, you know, I was just waiting to see it. I still want to see young pitching come up, though, Ken. That's what we need. We need this pitching before I get real serious. Fair, fair amount of that, uh, hopefully on the heels of the six for two pitcher trades that they've made. Uh, let's get back to football, though. First of all, tell folks what your Twitter handle is up front. We'll get to your plugs on the back end. Sure. It's at Huddle It Up Films. Find me there. Interact every day, just about. All right. Outstanding. Definitely a great follow. You want to make sure you interact whenever you get the chance. He'll, he'll certainly be uh, be right back at you. So the game against the Cardinals, of course, a 22nd straight win for the Ravens. Uh, it, it was an interesting game because 
in the end, it, both teams really had a lot of things they did wrong in this game. Probably calling it trying to lose is not exactly the right way to say it because the Ravens obviously are not trying to lose any game. Uh, they've made that very clear in terms of the way they've managed their preseason uh, games. But, uh, but both teams made a lot of mistakes. Fair amount of mistakes, kind of typical for a preseason game. Uh, I did comment yesterday that it is a lot more enjoyable when you have a preseason game with Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley starting. And, uh, I, you know, I thought that they acclimated themselves, both quarterbacks, very well. Trace, uh, you know, I was kind of expecting a little bit better from our friend Trace. I figured he would come out mm-hmm. with uh, with his hair on fire trying to show us what we uh, what we lost when we gave him up. But Tyler Huntley, of course, extremely efficient. And I thought that, you know, despite the mistakes that you see in a typical preseason game, that this was very watchable. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I would I would agree it's watchable. Uh, the 12 penalties for 116 yards bothered me about the Ravens. There's some players, certainly, and Phillips and Stevens, who didn't come out looking too great in terms of, of the number of penalties they had. They otherwise, you know, they had some good moments, but they didn't have, uh, you know, the, the restraint there. Stevens, in particular, very upset about the uh, uh, the late hit out of bounds there on the very, very first, first play. scrimmage, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals, of course, uh, Ravens completed almost every pass they threw. They only had a couple that were, uh, you know, a little bit of forced overthrows, one to Shamar Bridges on that left side. But uh, the Cardinals had a bunch of drops in this game. Uh, they had also a bunch of wide-open receivers get missed uh, by McSorley, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I don't know if Garantano, I always want to call him Guantanamo, but but uh, that's it's somewhere uh, in between. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but uh, he, uh, he he and McSorley both had some off-target throws to open receivers uh, that cost each each team. They did. They did. And, and again, you know, typical preseason, I would say. And uh, it was nice to see our quarterbacks. And I did, did complain a little bit that I would have liked to see a little more action towards the wide receivers, uh, even though we're talking defense just on our offensive side. Uh, Tyler Hunt, we, Huntley was extremely efficient, um, and so was Brown. But, um, you know, I would have liked to see more action towards our wide receivers. But the Ravens seemed to stay within their game plan as far as tight, tight end centric and doing what Huntley does well. The Cardinals, on the other hand, you can tell um, – you know, they're, they're just such a rhythm passing offense at times, even though they do run the ball a good bit, that uh, it doesn't take much to mess up a, a uh, you know, some the execution of those plays. They, they definitely are willing to allow pass plays to develop. And McSorley being a, a mobile quarterback usually facilitates that. And he did pretty well throwing on the run. It wasn't perfect, but he, but he did pretty well throwing, you know, getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run after some extended plays. Really did not like how the Ravens looked on third down in this game. Now, the the Cardinals were 8 of 15 by the book uh, on third down. That's a lot of third down opportunities, by the way, for one game is 15. But if you add one that they converted by penalty, is really 9 of 16. That's bad. Obviously, anything over anything over about 40% is not the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they want to be in, in the low to mid-30s. Um, but what was worse was the distances. The, the distances that got converted against them were, I'm going to just read these off real quickly, 9, 2, 5, 10, 8, 19, 1, 6, and 10. Don't mind too much getting converted against on short yardage, but the, the, you know, getting converted that many times on 8 plus is a really, really bad look. Well said. The, the 19-yard win, that one was very memorable. I, I don't remember what it was on second down, but it seemed like a a really big distance to, for them to overcome. So yes, the third and 19 stuck out. 
But again, yes, Ken, just to read them off, you, you had a third and nine in there, a third and 10, a third and eight, a uh, third and 10. I thought that the, uh, I know maybe we'll talk about tackling a little bit later, but I thought the tackling was a little bit better than it was the first game. But uh, especially on that third and 19, you're, you're, you're thinking about missed opportunities there. Just to, It wasn't like a wink defense where we just hung our players out to dry. We were in position to stop some of those, and uh, the Cardinals out-executed us. Yeah, they did. Uh, the Ravens did some things in this game to not put their best pass defense unit on the field. But in the first half, we saw the first little bit of dime defense. So that really should have helped them in terms of stopping some of these conversions. We'll get back to the dime in just a second. I, th- the last thing I want to say about both teams trying to give this game away is is one of the really interesting things. The announcers were certainly very excited by the Ravens' streak and the possibility of the Cardinals breaking a streak in the fourth quarter as they as they mounted their comeback. Um, with 147 to go, of course, the, the, the Ravens stopped the Cardinals on that fourth and 10 play, I guess it was. I think it was a 15-yard run on third and 25 and then, and then an incomplete on fourth and 10 over Darius Washington's hands. But you notice that the Cardinals had two timeouts there and they would have gotten the ball back or could have gotten the ball back uh, with under a minute to go. Um, had they uh, attempted to stop the clock. And they did not make such an attempt. They let the clock run down, uh, and the Ravens were happy to oblige them, almost like they rolled over at the end. Very interesting. Not not something that we're used to here. We've had some comebacks, some last-minute victories, I believe, during this, what, almost seven years now worth of winning preseason games. Um, and, yes, the Cardinals went home with two timeouts in their pocket, I mean, they could have even taken one when they were uh, threatening to score there at the end just to, you know, get their play set, take a timeout, come up with a good game plan, um, not to mention when the Ravens had actually gotten the ball back. But, yeah, definitely an interesting note. The Cardinals, you know, every team handles their training camp differently. Every team handles their offseason differently. Um, and every team handles their preseason games differently. So we got uh, a chance to see Cliff Kingsbury in action just ready, really wanting to get that game over with as quickly as possible, get out of there healthy. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, Ken, for me, that that was fine with me, not because of the winning streak, but, you know, after Travis, right. After Travis Jones got banged up, I'm like, let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel the same way about that. Um, uh, you know, it's health is obviously the most significant concern in any preseason game. And the, the, the nice thing about this game was the two earlier injuries to Stephen Means and to Faalele, the player each returned without even missing a play, I believe. Okay. And uh, Faalele in particular, I was very concerned about that, the way he's looking at his knee. One thing, one player we haven't heard about but was down on the field at the end of the game on the last offensive play is Ben Cleveland. And that would be a huge injury right now. He's hobbling a little bit before that. We were scoring his play. And by the way, Incredible game from Ben Cleveland. Truly great game from Ben Cleveland. But he uh, uh, he was hobbling a little bit on a pull that was very noticeable. And then on the last play of the game, the right tackle, so I think it was Jared Jones-Smith at that time, um, bowled his, um, uh, his opponent into Cleveland's legs. And I, I hope that is not a serious injury. But he was down on the field with his, you know, writhing around. Uh, at the end of that play. Especially for Ben Cleveland. You, you mentioned I'm excited about his play too, just because I see his upside being bigger than anyone else we mm-hmm. have there. But he needs to stay on the field, Ken, like for him personally, yep. specifically. So, so yes, you know, on the defensive side, we had Travis Jones exit and uh, given the timetable. But, you know, I 
it, this preseason game, if you asked me if I could magically, you know, just uh, skip ahead to the regular season, uh, quote unquote, forfeit this game, I would. Now, I've realized coaches don't think that way. They want to evaluate. They want to cut down. But just as a fan and maybe just from mentally what happened last year, I just can't wait for this thing to start. And, you know, I, I, I like where we are as a team, as a defense uh, that we're talking about tonight. But, um, you know, a couple of position groups kind of scare me. And um, there are a couple of guys we'll talk about tonight that if they went down in a preseason game, even though they're not starters, quote unquote, uh, would really affect us. Like we saw with Travis Jones, a heavy part of the rotation now, missing some valuable time here as the season approaches. Yeah, it is a very serious injury if he's if there's any significant time involved. If if he um, if he can come back relatively quickly, and I'm talking about maybe week three. Uh, something like that. I, I might not even IR him to start the year if I were EDC. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle him. They may decide, you know, he's going to miss four weeks now. So we'll get a clear indication, I think, pretty soon on what the real status is. If he if he makes the roster, then goes to IR immediately, then it's like a four-week injury. If he's ir before the season, obviously it's season-ending IR. So I don't think that that's in the cards. Um, but but it means this is one of the veteran handshake deals might get used up effectively by having Travis Jones on IR. And honestly, they have a fair number of other players they'd probably like to stash there until they need them. You know, that defensive line is is played extremely well again tonight. I mean, players like Mack and Crawford are on the outside looking in. If they get exposed to the waiver wire, they're probably lost. So, uh, you know, those are players I think I, the Ravens would probably like to have on IR if there were legitimate reasons for it. Exactly. Or maybe if there weren't. Exactly. And, and with Travis Jones, Ken, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of fans, I think, are overlooking the fact that the first four games, okay, well, there's no division against – they're not, excuse me, divisional games, but they're conference games. They're AFC games. Mm-hmm. And that week four game against Buffalo could be if the Ravens are what they think we are and the Bills are what they think they are, that could be a huge game coming down the stretch. So – I mean, you know, the Ravens have to be very judicious. A guy like Travis Jones, considering what we saw this preseason uh, out of him, could be one of our best defensive linemen that we're relying on by that point. I mean, the the kid's got some juice. So, uh, yeah, just definitely, definitely sorry to see that towards the end of the game. And, um, you know, there's another guy that I'm thinking of, Pepe Williams, Ken, that this team really is going to need. Um, You know, if you had, I'd be like, look, sit him. I know he needs experience. They, they need to reduce his role. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I know the coaches don't want to hear that and it's not going to happen. But, you know, if it was me, I'd put that man in bubble wrap because we saw against these smaller, quicker, faster Cardinals receivers that Pepe Williams was the man for the job. Completely, a complete agreement on that. And they've they've in fact, they've gone the exact opposite direction with Pepe this preseason, acting like they don't know what he can do on the field. And using him everywhere, you know, that first game he played safety, I think he played every single defensive snap and also returned punts during the game. So when you're when you're going to force a guy to do that, and then he's probably your starting slot corner, which I think he still is. I don't think it's Fuller. I don't think Fuller plays on the outside with Humphrey on the inside. I don't think any of that makes sense. I think Williams is the obvious starting slot corner on this team. And I, th- I think that gives you the best set of corners and the best set of defensive backs you can have. And Fuller probably also has his own injury risk to go with being an older player. And, and it would make sense to, to keep him fairly well bubble wrapped until you really need him. We always used to say that about Jimmy Smith. And then it took 
took about uh, somewhere between four plays and two weeks before he had to be <laughs> jumped into a starting role. Yes, towards the end there, it was sad. Like you know, among uh, Jimmy and Tavon, uh, well, I guess I'll just say between those two guys, you knew that the practice reps were going to be managed throughout the season. And that's one of the things I'm excited about with this young group. Although uh, one of the guys we're we'll be talking about tonight, Jalen Armour Davis, uh, you know, college production and the amount of games he played and injuries are pretty much the reason he fell in the draft around four because he's prototypical size and speed and everything you want from a big college player. But again, he, he banged his head in practice. I want to say that was Wednesday. I remember talking about it uh, on my show Wednesday. So I think it was Wednesday he left practice and wasn't able to play. So again, there's another young guy that the Ravens really don't know what they have as far as, well, I don't know what they have. We don't know what they have because uh, we haven't seen a whole bunch of them this preseason. But yeah, Demarion Pepe Williams can uh, definitely my star of the game. I know it may ruin it for later, but I don't think it's any secret that the young kid, the young man played really, really well. No, outstanding job. I'd agree. I, I want to go back to the generalized scheme a little bit, you know, kind of start from this top down approach a little bit, because we did. I, I did mention definitely last week that McDonald really held everything back. They played two inside linebackers on every single play. Now, they did play at the end of the half a couple of 32 dime snaps where they replaced two defensive linemen with cornerbacks instead of the one that it usually is when you go from base to nickel. So base, you have three down linemen and uh, two of everything else is actually two corners, two safeties, uh, two inside linebackers, two outside linebackers. When you go to play the nickel, you take out uh, a, a def- one of those three defensive linemen and you put in a slot cornerback who covers that third wide receiver, that third split player. Um, we, we didn't see anything but substitution between cornerback and defensive line in that first game. This game, they finally did what I'm hoping to see during the season is replace a lot of inside linebacker snaps with safeties. Now, it wasn't a lot. They played five snaps of dime. It was the Ravens' kind of traditional dime. is also their number one dime, uh, where, with they, which they really brought out. Not, it didn't include Marcus Williams or Chuck Clark, so it's not the number one in that sense. But they took Tony Jefferson off the field and replaced him with Geno Stone on the back end. And then also put Brandon Stevens in at Dimeback, which we hadn't seen yet. In fact, I don't know that Brandon Stevens played any Dimeback last year. I can't remember it specifically, at least. I, I don't remember him doing so, Ken, because he, he was used mostly, uh, like you were talking about Stone just there, uh, you know, in the back end on, on those type of defenses. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you know, that's something that uh, we got a little glimpse of. And uh, you and I have been on the same page with this for the longest time. It's something that we want to see more of. And it'll be interesting to see how that comes to fruition with the starters out there, because I don't see Marcus Williams coming off the field. I don't see Chuck Clark coming off the field and watching mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton uh, in the second level of that defense, make a play down by the goal line, man, he, he looks pretty good in that. He looks like that might be a pretty good idea, Ken. Yeah, that was, that was a very exciting play. I mean, for, for a lot of reasons that just fulfilled so many of my hopes for Kyle <laughs> Hamilton. I'm sure I'm over analyzing it in terms of, his ability to be predatorily aware uh, when he's in a low zone. He actually was was right at the line of scrimmage on the play, but the awareness and the ability to get up and deflect a football, uh, extraordinarily valuable in zone defense if he's on a, in a short zone and you got a lot of eyes on the football. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton touching a football in that way, he could tip it to himself. He could tip it up for general consumption. 
And hopefully that's a Ravens defender who ends up underneath that. Yes, I, I can't wait to comment on this because it's it's funny. If you just looked at the player's feet for the first like one second, mm-hmm. that's a play where if Patrick Queen or another linebacker or, or somebody else, not even, you know, just across the league, not even talking about our guys, you look at the first few steps that Kyle Hamilton took on that play, you're thinking, man, this guy bit a little too much on, yep, that, on that run. But Hamilton did it because he was so confident in himself being able to backpedal like the DB he is. And then, of course, Ken, his height and his length, it just showed up, his instincts, his knack for the ball. Um, it was all on display there. But, yeah, if you just look at it at first, it's like, no, 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 no. And then he backs right up into the play, deflects yeah. it up. And like you say, Ken, a lot of times those are the type of plays that can go for pick sixes because everybody's in motion. You catch that thing on the run and head towards the sideline, and there's nobody but a quarterback there. Um, so very excited to see. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I would expect it to be Hamilton during the regular season, Ken, just because you saw on that play. And, if you know, I, I saw some of the angles posted on Twitter. It's just so intimidating to me if I was a quarterback yeah. trying to get over and around that man. And uh, the fact that he was able to, quote, unquote, make it up, you know, on a play maybe he took an extra step that he should have. It's like, man, yeah. how, how do you get the ball around that guy? That that was pretty impressive. Yeah, is a is a is a transition from run to pass defense was very impressive. So he, he came in, he he actually realized the fake, and that may be part of the awareness issue. Is that as a you know you would think a linebacker would normally know better, but I don't think that's always been the case uh, with our inside linebackers. But speaking specifically of Hamilton, I think he he picked up that he'd bit on the fake changed and then his awareness also probably led to where do I need to be in terms of my hands in terms of having the best chance to knock down a pass and he got up at that point so it was all of these like tenths of a second of of incremental awareness he had added up on that play to 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 lead to that tip it was just very cool uh, wish it wish it could have been intercepted there it, it itself, but I, I, I want to go back to the to the to the dime a second because this really wasn't what we'll see what we think we'll see during the regular season. We think it'll be the top three safeties as you mentioned, and you know I what I expect is Hamilton's going to be the guy who they bring all over the place. Uh, he he could be a guy on the back end who moves down and eliminates routes as a robber. He could be a guy they play um, directly opposite a tight end, which they did some of that. They don't have Ravens don't have really anybody at outside linebacker currently. They trust in coverage, uh, not not that they're playing currently. Bowser they obviously trust tremendously, and Oa they probably think would grow into that role if they wanted to waste him on that and not have him rushing the passer. But they don't really have anybody in that position right now, and they're doing some things of lining up safeties directly opposite, including some of Tony Jefferson doing it. In this game, uh, we saw Hamilton do it in, in some of the first two games, I think. And uh, just they're, they are playing more of that kind of safety matchup football that really seems appropriate for the depth they have at the position. And I could see Tony Jefferson. Now, I'm not sure who's going to be active on game day because, you know, the fans might not want to hear this, but Geno Stone is officially taking mm-hmm. that role of special teams captain. Uh, Anthony Levine, I saw it at stadium practice, Ken. Uh, anytime I've seen first-team punt, it is Geno Stone back there as Anthony Levine directing traffic, calling the signals. I mean, that is not just another special teams position. That you know, That is a key player. So I expect Geno Stone to be active. And then, of course, you have the other three that we just talked about. So is Tony Jefferson going to – is there going to be a space for him on the, when the game day active roster? If so, though, Ken, I'd like Tony in the box in a 
in an early dime defense, first and 10 dime, say, um, you know, playing a linebacker basically is what I'm saying mm-hmm. is Tony Jefferson. Cause you, you love Kyle Hamilton and his past chops. Tony, Tony Jefferson obviously has some chops as a defender being a safety most of his life, but he's also not afraid to fill and run like a linebacker. So the Ravens have plenty of op- or options there uh, to, to mess around with different kinds of dime defense, a dime defense with Kyle Hamilton in it, a dime defense with Tony Jefferson in it, a dime defense with Geno Stone in it. And of course, when we say dime, we're talking about that three safety dime with uh, the three, three, right. Yeah. With uh, Gene, with uh, excuse me, Chuck and Marcus Williams in there as the first two. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree completely with you and I think they've got various uh, combinations they could use. I do think they're probably going to, we're going to see most of one combination. We'll see stone some on the field at times, probably as a relief player more. I would think, I don't think he's necessarily going to get a lot of snaps when they're just playing dime. I think when they go to quarter is when we'll probably see Jefferson the most. And I, I do think there's a chance that the team goes to quarter. With regard to the having, you know, how many safeties they'll activate on game day. Um, you know, if they have a person they're activating for special teams primarily, it still could be Jefferson. And Jefferson probably still could be the special teams captain. It, they, it, Stone has the personal personal protector role. And from the, that's kind of like the quarterback of the punt coverage team, obviously, that's to what you're referring. But Jefferson is on the wing there, and they're also using Hamilton on the wing. So uh, that's a loaded, absolutely loaded punt coverage unit. By the way, they were using Kyle Hamilton on the wing, too. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Stevens and Hamilton are the two that I kept seeing out there on the wing. And, uh, you know, uh, it's close to the kicker on kickoff coverage as well. So, um, yeah. wow, you know, what an option to have guys who can run, cover, tackle. I mean, uh, it, it's really a nice set of safety groups I'm really happy with. Yeah. Also, I don't think we, if they would really plan to play Hamilton 100 percent of the snaps and give him the green dot this year, which I don't think is going to happen, but they wouldn't be taking these kind of chances with him in the in the preseason. You know, we'd have, we'd have seen a greatly reduced snap count. We, in fact, saw an increased snap count in this second game. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, the total number, but he played all but the last two drives of the game. He was in there. No, you're not giving so, the green dot to somebody who's playing. Yeah. playing that much on special teams agreed so if there were any questions remember we were talking a lot about this i echoed it on my show a couple of times that let chuck be chuck let kyle hamilton uh coming come in at his pace and mm-hmm. um you know he hasn't flashed a lot ken i don't think it's necessarily been bad but i would have liked to seen you know a couple of impact plays we got to see the one down by the goal line but for kyle hamilton looking like geno stone did say in week one where it was just varsity against the JV. Um, so Cal Hamilton will get to come in, play at his pace, and uh, contribute to the Ravens without having the green dot being in there 100% of the time at putting a solid player like Chuck on the bench and creating a lot of uh, uncertainty on that defense. Right. I, I, I think that makes sense. At Saul, uh, SSBM uh, had this as a question. So he wanted to see more, he wanted to hear more Kyle Hamilton talk. Hopefully we've, uh, We've given you a, a, a fill here. I'll, I'll just add that um, the Ravens have multiple looks they can present with three safeties. And even if they keep Marcus Williams on the back end in any commonly used three safety look with Clark and Hamilton, Clark is an ideal guy to come up and play that dimeback role on a true third and long situation. He's an ideal will linebacker. He's played there before. He's dominated like no other Raven uh, really ever has. Anthony Levine 2018 and Chuck Clark 2019 are the best two years ever by Ravens Dimeback. And and so Clark m- makes a lot of sense. 
to be playing a low zone under those circumstances or to, or to be you know replacing that will linebacker and doing whatever he does from that spot uh, but you know if you think about it that gives the opportunity to get Kyle Hamilton on the back end where he can come down into the box and rob uh, he could do other things if you want him to cover a tight end but if you want to start in a cover two look you can you can have him do things from there I mean one thing that he can do is possibly go on the outside and cover a receiver. You know, it's not that fast, but go on the outside and cover a receiver um, physically, jamming at the line of scrimmage while you blitz your cornerback. So I, I, you know, I haven't heard any of that done. But the other thing is just if you're playing Hamilton in the box and as a pass rusher off a slot tight end, as you might on an earlier down, you get a different look of Hamilton on third down playing on the back end. So it really gives, it, it almost is like you, you have a different personnel combination, even though it's the same guys. Exactly, Ken. Was there a specific question that he had asked? Because I don't have that one um, up there. But it's. No, he just wanted, I would love to hear you talk more about Hamilton during the pod tonight. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, I, I guess my overall thoughts are with Hamilton is that you can really use him in so many different ways. I love the fact, Ken, that you brought up in coverage. You can stick him on a tight end if you'd like. Uh, there are just certain matchups with Kyle Hamilton that you want to avoid, and that would be your smaller, quicker, faster receivers mm-hmm. in man coverage. That's it. That's it. I mean, you want to put them in, in the one level two. You want to put them in the back end of a cover two. And the thing that makes this so so wonderful to me is that you mentioned Chuck can play in the box. Tony can play in the box. Gino can play on the back end. Kyle can play either mm-hmm. box or back end. Really, all of them can. You know, they, they just, you actually have people who specialize in different roles. Marcus Williams, excellent on the back end. Tony Jefferson, excellent in the box. Chuck Clark, like you said, the best dime year ever by a Raven. But Chuck's no slouch in the cover, too. That's plenty of room. He's, I mean, he's got plenty and of range that. for that. Uh, any safety does. Kyle Hamilton can come up and use his length. Uh, at the catch point if you want to use him in the back end. So um, Kyle Hamilton, yeah, I just wanted to say, lastly, Ken, that I would like to see him flash more if he does play in this third preseason game and really get into a rhythm and have an opportunity to make a play and actually cash in because I think that that would give him some confidence heading into the season when we can really use him. Yeah, he's, he's had a – the only issue he's really had this preseason, All I, I've seen flashed all the attributes, the range we've seen in spades in that first game. You know, the athletic awareness, run-to-pass transition we saw on that play near the goal line with a tip pass. The only thing we really haven't seen is great containment, uh, great angles and tackling. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the letting the quarterback anyway on the backside, it was uh, Malik Willis, right? Yes. In the first game was bad. Uh, you know, the, this game, he got juked out of his uh, shoes, basically, on the, on the whatever it was, 31, 34-yard play. Uh, that wasn't good. Um, but, you know, the other characteristics are there. And I, I'm just, you know, I don't want to go too much by traits because it is a results-based league and he's playing NFL players and he needs to get good at tackling NFL players. Uh, he needs to get good at taking good angles to NFL players. But I think all that will come, and I don't think you could teach the kind of awareness. I know you can't teach his size uh, and, or, and his, his, his ability to read a play quickly. I know you can't teach all that. So I'm liking what I'm seeing in terms of these, these reaction times that we saw in college are still there at an NFL level in terms of, of his range and his, and his uh, you know, uh, read the fake, make, your, make, the change of your, make the change in your uh, uh, 
transition from run to pass defense. And, and I'm just going to back you up there, Ken. I see it all too. I see it all too. He's he's shown the range. He he's shown that, and and so I don't want my statement to be misinterpreted by I don't think he's playing well. I just want to see him get some confidence. Going to see him get an interception, force a fumble, um, make some kind of spectacular play, kind of like what we saw around the goal line where he can feed off of himself and get that confidence. Because I mean, he's the 14th overall pick. There are going to be people that are looking for his raw production how many interceptions does he have how many of this does he have uh it might not matter to us but you don't want yeah, that screw you, right <laughs> you, you, you want to have that you want to see the player have success and be rewarded though too so so yes no no concerns about kyle hamilton anything about the safety group the safety group is the best part of the team from for my money that's the group i'm yeah. in love with so yeah, easily. And, you know, one more point about the about this versatility of the safety group. The thing that makes the group really versatile, as opposed to, ooh, everybody can play everywhere, um, is the fact they have now three guys who are true free safeties in, in the combination of Stone and Williams and Hamilton. Uh, Clark can play there if needed. He can rotate there, he can, but it's not his best position. He's a better strong safety or a better dime back. And it's kind of like a situation... Um, with starting pitching and you have a, a, a baseball team that has a weak starting staff and you acquire relievers to fix your problem. It just, it doesn't work. You know, you, 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 you can't do it. You, you, you can generally make some starters into great relievers. And we've certainly seen that here in Baltimore with a few different guys. Uh, Zach Britton comes to mind as a guy, you know, who, who, whose career was made really into something really special by becoming a reliever. Um, but you, you can't do it in generally move relievers into a starting role and have them really succeed. There's much, many fewer instances of that. And it, it, same thing is with strong safety and free safety. Free safety is a different cat, a different kind of awareness is required to play the, play the position at a very high level. And the Ravens are lucky. They've got three guys who appear to be able to do it. I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep this unit together, but it's a, it's a hell of a unit. And just compar- comparatively, Ken, last year we had zero, basically. So um, yeah. <clears throat> big difference ever since Earl Thomas left. Excuse me for that. Um, you know, we're going from zero to three. Just a wonderful piece. I, I could go on and on about the safeties. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, we talked about the reduced missed tackles. Let's talk about the position groups individually. I, I loved what, what we got out of the defensive line in this game in particular. I thought they were far too much for the Cardinals in terms of uh, uh, what they had. And uh, You know, you should see some decent players at some point even in an exhibition game. And the, and the Ravens put out a serviceable offensive line to start this game. Uh, particularly on the interior with McCarry at center and and having uh, Phillips at left guard, which is where he may end up, and then Cleveland at right guard. Uh, you know, they, they put out some players that ought to, and I had Powers at right guard actually to start the game. You know, they put out guys who were legitimate starting NFL talent. I didn't see a lot of that from the Cardinals uh, in terms of who they had on the field. Our defensive line, there are just a lot of pieces, and I, I think that a lot of them are redundant in some kind of way. You know, they're they're not master pass rushers. That's something that really any player that comes into the league has to prove. I mean, we're still waiting for Matabike to become a a plus pass rusher, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But you look at Mac Crawford Nichols; um, those are defensive linemen. What seven, eight, nine on the team? If you really want to look at it like that, if you put them up behind Urban Broderick Washington, who obviously got the play early, so uh, Mac Crawford Nichols. Hats off to the Ravens and yet another reminder, Ken, of what the Ravens have done well in their history, which is develop defensive linemen. I mean, we have that reputation for offensive linemen, but 
man, it just seems like we don't ever have a shortage of guys who can come in and stuff the run and can two-gap when we ask them to two-gap. And we saw that at times at the end of last year. What was it? Mac had a big game. and uh, In Cincinnati, uh, yeah. Yes. And who else was it? Was it McKenzie or or – I can't remember, but I don't mean to throw your show off. But, we, you know, last year when we were thin down there, we had guys come up, step up, and uh, really didn't miss too much from the drop-off uh, of Brandon Williams and other guys who were there. They they looked more than capable, Ken. And I know your thoughts are that these guys uh, are slowly working their place uh, into finding a spot on a roster here or somewhere else, huh? Yeah, that's that's what I would say. I mean, they, they, Crawford and Mack are both likely to be cut unless the injury situation changes somehow. And they're too good not to be playing for another NFL team. So uh, Mac will be lost immediately, I would guess. Crawford is an interesting kind of a situation because I think he's a year two player. So he's got a fair amount of upside. Mac's actually year four. So he has less option value to another team. So if you take him on your roster, you're, you're, you know, you're agreeing to two things. One is he's got to be good enough to play on your roster this year. And if he's not, you probably don't want him because you don't have any rights to him next year as a fourth-year player. He'll be a free agent. Uh, Crawford, it's, it's a different situation. You have three years of team control, including an RFA year. And it, it makes a lot of sense for a player like that uh, to be picked up by another team at some point during the year. It won't necessarily be right away if they don't believe Aaron Crawford's ready to go right away. But as... The year moves forward, defensive linemen get hurt, the replacement level goes down, and play the two players who are, are, are super attractive under those circumstances are, are Rashad Nichols, who you know is a rookie and, and you know would be a, a player that if you saw upside, you definitely want to snag him off the Ravens practice squad now rather than later when somebody else has a shot at him. And, uh, and Crawford, who's this year two guy who, who would uh, you know potentially have some significant upside. So exciting. Um, you know, for both players and Mac, just an, a force of nature in this game. He, he is, he is. You, you get to see him get the momentum going, and and again, just you know, the depth. Uh, Campbell, Metabike, Pierce, Travis Jones, Broderick Washington, Brett Urban. That's six. Then you have mm-hmm. Mac and Aaron Crawford, who you know I really feel like could be on any roster. Still don't know exactly what you have with Nichols yet. You know, it's real, real early, but. Crawford has showed us a lot. Um, I, I believe, you know, he got hurt. Uh, what was it last year um, and, and missed a significant amount of time. And of course, Mac, the guy that you, you threw it to me on there, man. Um, anytime he's been in there, he, he just flashes, Ken. It's not just uh, who is that guy, uh, you know, okay, we're not, we're not getting blown out there in the middle. It's a, who is this guy type right. of deal uh, with Mac. So, uh, being in year four, I could definitely see him getting getting snagged by another team because, uh, you know, maybe if Travis Jones goes on IR, like you suggested earlier, there's a spot for him. But then again, Ken, guys like Ardarius Washington, I'd like to find a way to get him on the team. Uh, you just look at it. It's just it's just tough. It's just tough. Yeah. I, I, I think people making their 53 right now are just driving themselves nuts for no particular reason because – it's not really a 53 anymore. It's a 58 or a 59. That's right. So, the, you know, the, you, you've got all these spots for handshake deals, IR, PUP not coming back with still, I think the Ravens have three guys there with Ed, Edwards, Bowser, and Stanley still on PUP. We still have an NFI and a Jabo uh, option. So he's, he's that's four. We have up to five probably handshake deals that could be made. So, I, and then you have, after even after the season starts, 
You have the possibility to pick up new players, of course. You have the possibility to defer a signing until week two. You have the possibility to stick players on the practice squad, particularly veterans, bring them up twice before you, before you activate them, if, as long as they're amenable to it. So it's just a lot of different ways that the Ravens can get their roster needs met. So I'm not worried with having too much quality talent. I'm not even worried about the Nigel Warrior situation from last year where you might lose a player who's too good. I think the Ravens are actually in a position under the rules this year to either basically trade the guy and get something for them or stash him. Okay. See, this is this is where I need you, Ken, because, you know, I'm a warrior by nature. And, um, you know, I'm a defensive guy by nature as far as, I want the extra defenders in there to be able to match mm-hmm. up. If somebody goes down, I feel like on offense, you can dictate to the defense with one fewer guy, you know, maybe two extra guys on defense. I'm saying a 26 on defense, 24 on offense is kind of would be my personal, because like I look at our Darius, if you don't mind me just transitioning to him real quick. Sure. Go ahead. Um, like Demarion Williams, he has got the skill set. We saw him struggle, and then we saw him come back and end the game with a really nice play in coverage. Ardarius mm-hmm. has that skill set that we saw, uh, you know, that's going to be hard for Brandon Stevens to replicate. It's going to be hard for Kyle Fuller to replicate, and that's sticking with smaller, uh, shiftier, quicker, speedier receivers. Now, you got a big receiver on your team. We can cover him. We can cover him with Brandon Stevens. We can cover him with Kyle Hamilton, like we said. Jalen Armour Davis, when he gets his feet under him, gets going, he can cover you if you're big. But a smaller, quicker guy, that's why, man, I remember us talking on the cornerback preview show, Ken, about how, like, if I could pick one guy to show out and translate, that I was picking Mm -hmm. Pepe because he brings a different skill set and that energy and everything. And Ardarius, I'm tying it in together because he, too, brings that smaller, quicker the ability to cover a smaller, quicker receiver. So I want to, I want to see him stick, Ken. I, 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 the type of receiver that Washington is really good at covering is fairly specific. It's a quick change of direction slot receiver who is not too large. Now, there's a lot of them in the league. Cole Beasley and a whole bunch of other Cole Beasley-esque players, you know, Welker and Edelman and those guys would all fit into the category that Washington would do very well against. But it's 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 the change of direction that Washington is going to have a better chance to uh, use his quick mirror on and 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 be a uh, translate what he's doing more quickly than than some other cornerbacks like, for instance, Marlon Humphrey, who's kind of, to my way, not he's not a bad slot corner because Marlon Humphrey's a great football player, but he's not the best player he could be when he plays in the slot. And, you know, you you, you get a good chance at Ardarius and Pepe, uh, who really have those skills kind of in spades, who seem to be much more natural uh, change of direction players. And in, in the case of both of them, I'd say they're both excellent downhill players. Loved what I saw out of Pepe on the hit by the sideline. Yeah. Yeah, if it, if it, I felt vindicated, validated, whatever. Um, it just not from a like an, an analyst, but from a fan standpoint, like that's what I wanted to see happen: is Pepe Williams get comfortable on an NFL field and and really, you know, he looked like he did at Houston here in the preseason, which is great. But Ardarius, you know, agreed with you. I'm glad that you you know you agree with me on that. Uh, ball skills are another thing. Ardarius finds a way yeah. to get his hand on the football or to you know, knock a receiver who's just got his hands on the football to contact that receiver on time to play leverage. Uh, Ardarius and Pepe are very similar. And uh, I I believe that they are the two guys that we're going to need to cover that kind of player come the playoff time. um, When, when they, the other team has a receiver like that, where we can keep eyes on the ball and make a play on the ball, Ken. 
Let's keep rolling through the cornerbacks because we, we seem to have gotten on this group and it's a, it's an interesting group. But the guy that I was happy to see get live fire and he may have earned himself an end to the preseason at this point is Kyle Fuller. Uh, I, we hadn't seen much from him. Reports out of camp have not been good. Um, but he had two great awareness plays here. Uh, one where he actually obviously made the interception. That's always nice to see. The, the you know, player put his ball skills to work and be productive with it. But even on the on the missed ball, I'm not even sure if it was his man that it was thrown to because it was so so poorly thrown. But he he converged on that football very quickly. If it was not his man, it's a really exceptional play. If it was his man, it's a very exceptional mm-hmm. play that he made. But either way, he almost he, he, it was a diving failed attempt to make the interception. But it's good to see him trying to put his ball skills in play and and you know throwing his body out there a little bit to do it. Very Marcus Peters esque, I would say, for new Ravens fans, mm-hmm. where you know he was very aware the awareness that was there, whether it was his guy or not, just coming off and having a feel for where, what the quarterback had to do and being ahead. Oh, it's a missed throw. Here I am. I'm already heading that way and making the play on the ball. Um, you know, you and I got into it a little bit about, about Fuller, you know, our expectations for him. I think I, I was a little more positive on him after I watched the film, but. I mean, Ken, there's no way getting around it. His grades were not good. Uh, he got benched um, twice. Twice, right. It, it might be the kind of thing, Ken, where Kyle Fuller is a good player that can get you get you through a few games, um, you know, when the outside at the outside corner, but not a guy due to his physical maybe decline. Um, he like what I guess what I'm trying to say, Ken, is he's still a, a very good football player. He's an NFL player. It's just what is his body got left in the tank? What's the top speed? Uh, that kind of thing yeah, is what I, I question. I, I would maybe term it a little differently, but see if you agree with this analysis of him, that I think he, he knows what to do on the football field. I just don't know if his body, he can make his body do it anymore. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> and, that's another yeah. way of saying exactly what I was going to say. I think you said it better, but yeah, still a very good football player. You know, his football mind works. It's just his body, you know, we talk about top speed and, and the wear and tear, you know, it's it's not for long. It's the NFL. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, that's why I was saying, Ken, do you agree with me? If we, we need Kyle Fuller to start this season for his first three games, say we're, look, look we're going to need Marcus Peters to be at full speed against uh, Stephon yeah. Diggs and Gabriel, Gabriel Davis week four. We're not going to mess around. Let's try to win these first three games against Mac Jones and Joe Flacco and Tua with Kyle Fuller at left cornerback. I would say, okay, I can, I can see the plan there and not force, you know, rush Marcus Peters back. I could see a, a scenario like that. I, I, I wouldn't say never. Uh, and, and, you know, it could always end up that way with just one injury aside from Peters being the thing. But I think if that happened, we might see our Darius Washington and Pepe on the outside. Mm. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't even know if we'd see Armour Davis because he really hasn't played yet. We don't, you know, we don't know exactly where he is. We don't know if he's going to be ready to play when week one comes. Uh, and we certainly haven't seen any live fire yet. They didn't even have any combined practices. You know, there just hasn't been a lot from Armour Davis. He certainly appeared to have the tools. And, you know, I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but he didn't play all that much at Alabama. That's right. So, so uh, you know, it's a it's a significant concern that, that you know, we haven't really seen him. But that said, you know, he certainly got the speed. They, they played him a little bit in the slot during the stadium practice, which was odd to me with Pepe on the outside. So they're obviously trying to kind of switch some positions in terms of what they show. Uh, maybe not in terms of what they show, but maybe in terms of just trying to see if both players can be available for either. Um, you know, I, I think that was positive. But 
Uh, with regard to Fuller, I think where he can help the Ravens is if you can find a team that you can really be comfortable playing zone against, that the quarterback's um, you know, not going to be somebody who's going to pick you apart between level two and three automatically. Maybe a jittery quarterback, maybe an offensive line you can get pressure against where there's going to be some pressured throws and some off-target throws. Eyes in the backfield and a, a set like Fuller's, tremendous value on the back end. Uh, but if, you, if, he, if he has to play man coverage, that's going to be where he's going to get burned fairly regularly. There you go. It, very well said, Ken. And, you know, if, I, if I had to pick uh, uh, between the two, I'll still stick with my guns and say Fuller over uh, a Pepe or an Ardarius in that situation. On the outside. On the outside, yes, just because of, of the physical makeup and the experience. That's where Kyle Fuller is, has made his living in the NFL. But I would, I would just say, you know, if, if they go with, with um, you know, Pepe or Ardarius, it wouldn't be a, uh, hey, I know better than the coaches. Why are they doing this type situation? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how I how I would see it uh, uh, bear out. But, but yes, and I, I do have faith in, in Mike McDonald, I think, uh, to be able to switch that up and play that kind of defense and cater to that side of the field if, if he needed to be, which is still yet to be determined. But um, McDonald seems to play to his player's strengths, and uh, I'm excited to see that unfold as the season progresses. Let's talk about another cornerback, Kayvon Seymour here, because uh, he came out of the game uh, actually earlier than you would think. Because Seymour, you would think, well, there's no reason for him ever to come out of the game. But they had Vereen in at the end of the game. And Seymour actually did not play after the third drive, as I see. He might have played special teams, but not on defense. So uh, they had Worley in there and Pepe and and uh, Stevens on the outside, of course, who hadn't been uh taking corner snaps in the in the previous game. So it looks to me as if Seymour is kind of higher up on their depth chart because order of entry, very important in the preseason. If it's all you had, it might be the best piece of information you have to project who the starters are going to be because it's very hard to win your way out of fourth quarter play and suddenly become a starter given any number of weeks really of preseason but certainly given a three-week preseason. Agreed. I think Seymour is ahead of Worley and Vereen on the depth chart. Um, and really, that's that's all we have after those guys. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, just to go over them real quick, you have uh, Marlon and Marcus, of course. There's two. Uh, Stevens, Pepe, uh, Armour Davis, uh, mm-hmm. Fuller. And then, you know, you throw Ardarius in there, I believe, um, even though he came after came in after. Uh, he's a guy that I, you know, obviously just spoke about at length, but Seymour is is a guy that I think the fans are on uh, his butt a little more than than needs to be. I think that he holds his own. I don't think he's perfect. There's a reason he's bounced around. There's a reason he's a sixth round pick in the first place. But I can see why the Ravens like him. Maybe want to keep him around. Um, I I would have thought that he would have played more, like you said, Ken, been in the game later and longer. Uh, and hopefully that's the case, quite frankly, uh, this coming week. I, I don't want to see much more of Pepe, obviously, right. for you guys heard how much I like him. But, um, but yeah, you know, Kayvon Seymour as cornerback eight on your team, I think is pretty good. You know, I, I don't have any problems with that whatsoever. Well, they're not going to – one of the things that, that is will come to question is how many defensive backs can this team – so we did have a question on that. I'll try and, and, and get to ask that because it, it was a good question about uh, – you know, here it is. It's, it's Patrick Manley at Patrick Manley 4. He said, when it's all said and done, how many do we keep in the secondary? And I think this goes to my point about don't worry too much about the 53 in this case, in which case I don't think you could possibly keep more than 11. 
you know, whether it's six and five, seven and four, whichever way you wanted to go, I don't think it'd be likely. But they probably really do have 12 guys on this team that they'd like to keep. With all the cornerbacks down through Ardarius Washington being number seven, and all five of the safeties, including Tony Jefferson, being the guy who's on, on the bubble at the at the final end. I don't think it's impossible. All those guys are either on IR or on the field in week one. Agreed. Patrick, I just want to say thanks for the question. Buddy, I see you on Twitter, uh, and I appreci- always appreciate you uh, interacting. But I'm going to echo Ken here. The How the Ravens decide to keep them and what games they play, I'm not going to try to get into that too much. But I have 12 guys. I have 12 guys just like Ken. That's Marlowe, Marcus, Brandon Stevens, Pepe, Jalen Armour Davis, Kyle Fuller, and Ardarius Washington. I count those seven as corners. And then the five safeties, Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone, and Tony Jefferson. I want to find a way to have all 12 of those guys at the Ravens' disposal on any game day as they choose to uh, to. Uh, well, they, they they will have additional guys available any game day if you go to the practice squad. So that's where Kayvon Seymour can still help you. I don't think he's a guy who automatically gets taken. I think he's a guy who's looking for an opportunity in the NFL wherever that may come at his age. And, uh, you know, he's already a veteran player. So the Ravens, he's, he's, he's in the center. You, you could make a handshake deal with him if, if that was really necessary. But his handshake deal might be a little different. His handshake deal might be, hey, we really believe you're you're our eighth best cornerback. We've got a very deep group, but you understand all the injury problems we have. The very first preseason game, you were out there because six of our seven top guys couldn't go at corner. And, you know, we think that might happen during the regular season as well. I mean, we've got, you know, Humphrey, we assume, is healthy at this point, so that's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, we, we know less about the situation with Peters currently. He's, he came off pop. That's great. You know, that, that's a good indication that, that, that he's going to be back. But I think they know less. And, and with Seymour, they can get him in twice as a practice squad elevation and maybe get some special teams value out of him if that's the appropriate move to make during a week. And after that, they can bring him up when, when they need him. And um, this is a team for worse and not for better, <laughs> for worse, which has had a bunch of cornerbacks go down in past years and had some seasons completely destroyed by it, frankly, and in 07, 05, uh, 15, and then again in 21. So that's that's four pretty damn good football teams that went down the toilet pretty much because they lost uh, so many too many men in the secondary. And I love Patrick's question. And, you know, uh, I just want to reiterate, though, again, something that we may have glossed over with regards to Seymour. He departed midway through the second quarter, reading off your notes here, Ken, after mm-hmm. 21 snaps. Now, that's that's starter type stuff, Ken, that's Mm -hmm. starter type stuff. And, you know, when I go back to the stadium practice, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, Bateman beat Seymour. Uh, Seymour's in there with the first team. You know, it's like he is getting this treatment by the Ravens and what we saw that is beyond a guy that you would say is making to a practice squad. So there's a little bit of contradiction there uh, as far as, hey, the Ravens seem to like this guy. They're putting him in primo positions at practice they're putting him at primo positions in the preseason games and he's your you know like i said he looks like cornerback eight to me they they did give um fuller and i have to look and see how many they actually gave him of slot corner snaps in this game but i believe he might have been in there at the start on slot corner pepe didn't play in the first drive it was all seymour fuller 
and Stevens. And I don't think we saw Stevens as the slot receiver, although Stevens on third down came in with the dime back. Uh, but it, but I, I think that we saw Fuller, um, and I may be, I may be, I'm going to have to go back and watch again before I make, make a declarative statement about this. But it, it looks to me like the, the order is fairly well said. And I think your, your comment got hit it on the nose to say um, he's ahead of Vereen and Worley. And that's what we can tell from order of entry in this game. I don't think we can tell that he's ahead of Ardarius Washington, even though he played before him, for example, and left almost the same time because they play different positions. Right. Right. That's that's where I was going, Ken. Thank you very much. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, I, I think we've covered cornerback pretty well. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about, uh, well, we talked about the safety group a little bit. It's an interesting, interesting game. We talked a little bit up front about how they deployed the safeties differently. Uh, we saw this dime where they brought in Geno Stone for Tony Jefferson on some third and longs, five of them in the first half. So I thought that was fairly interesting. Uh, then Geno Stone pretty much played the whole game. He was in on the first drive. He was in on the last drive. So uh, he was out there for a long time. And, and uh, our Darius Washington on the final drive, by the way, final drive of the game where they got that third and 25 and then the fourth and 15, Ravens were still in base defense. Base defense. Think about that, folks. You know, the other team is, it should be, if you're playing some sort of football game, you're, you're looking for the pass prevent long defense <laughs> and they're in the base. So it's <laughs> uh, a strange kind of a situation. Yeah, Ken, for uh, all that, the Ravens do everything to win. That's not doing everything mm-hmm. to win. Uh, I will say, though, in the uh, on the offense, though, I have a very different philosophy on that. I kind of wish I was on the offensive show sneakily here, Ken, because, man, I have a lot of thoughts on Tyler Huntley throwing all over the middle and not targeting the receivers who were supposedly in a competition made a tweet about that today and it kind of got a little popular so uh but yeah base defense yes i noticed that down the stretch a valid point because you know you're looking to get your players into one-on-one positions that are oftentimes what they're not comfortable with and this quick relief release offense playing that uh for an entire half basically and i mean look at likely's receptions almost all his yards were after the catch there's almost nothing in terms of a dot on on his targets. Uh, you know, he had his his 30, 31 yard catch was four plus five plus twenty six as I charted it. So you know, it's, it's not like uh, uh, they're really taking uh, Huntley out of exactly what he did last year. He just he, he had an accurate night. He, he threw well, I thought, very much on the run. But they didn't take him out of his comfort zone, which is an opportunity you have in the preseason to make him throw outside the numbers and and, and take some long throws. Took the throw to Shamar Bridges, which was his only um, incomplete deep down that left sideline. But otherwise, very little on the outside. Yes, and so listen to Ken's offensive show. But uh, J- <laughs> Jason Smith's uh, offensive review is they it was very Huntley and very Giro. Wide receivers targets, Bridges three, Makai Polk had one. That was on a broken play, so he really didn't have any ball thrown to him on schedule. Benjamin Victor, nothing. Jalen Moore, nothing. And then he was cut. And then Raleigh Webb and Gaither had two and three. So what's that? Three, four, five, six, nine targets to wide receivers in a game where you have a wide receiver competition. Webb's, Webb's targets were all in the second half with uh, Anthony Brown at quarterback, too. So that, that's not really the same thing as Huntley. That's if you right. make a decision about whether or not Huntley or Brown is a guy you can trust going forward. And, and that's one of the real interesting questions for the rest of camp. I mean, you, you have a guy who's completed, what, 28 out of 31 or 29 out of 32, and other teams are, are you know, wondering about their, their current quarterback, their, their first-string quarterback, not their second. 
Um, you know, they, they, if there's a market for Huntley, you have to listen to all uh, all offers at this point. Yeah. So Ken, after the show, after we end up here, man, prepare to be talking to me, and I'll be I'll be crying to you a little bit for another half hour about the uh, offense because it was very, but it was just very for all the reasons, man. I don't even want to go down the street, but you know let's, what Huntley can going. do. Yes, yes. Go ahead, sir. All right, we're at 57 minutes here, so we've got to be cognizant of people's drive time here. I know they want to hear what you have to say, but uh, let's move on to inside linebacker where, uh, you know, the Ravens, first of all, we had a good question from, and this is a, the name is John Big Booty, the John Big Booty, at the John Big Booty, who says, what are your thoughts regarding Queen's lack of snaps in the preseason so far? Nothing burger or is something going on here? I, I think to me, Queen's lack of snaps is a starter treatment. So they've decided he's the starter. Josh Bynes hasn't played any either and frankly has nothing to prove in the preseason. They're giving these guys the bubble wrap treatment as if they're, you know, Lamar Jackson or or really understanding probably that they've got other players they need to look at. That's number one. Three UDFAs. Uh, Malik Harrison effectively is retrying out for this team in year three. He's done very well so far, but he's 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 effectively getting a a, a new lease on life after the, the, the stuff that happened last year. Uh, and, and I think that, that uh, not having Queen uh, on the field means they think they know what they have. And they, they, he's clearly going to be a starter, and, and, and so is Bynes. And um, we'll, we'll see after that who they keep, if they keep three, four, uh, whatever they do. Now, see, Ken, I, I read that as John Bigfoot, so that's uh, you on you and your dirty <laughs> mind. No, just kidding. Uh, no, agreed. Uh, Queen, you know, getting the bubble wrap, getting the starter's treatment. I wouldn't have minded, Ken, to see him in there for a series or two flying around because he's still a 22-year-old player. Um, if my math is right, he was drafted when he was 20, so he's either 22 or 23. Um, so, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Like, that that's the reverse, um, my preference. Usually they're playing him too much for my for, for my taste. Queen, uh, no, he, he's getting a bubble wrap treatment like uh, Bynes. The only other thing I would add is it, it looks like, you know, the uh, – Trying Queen at Mike linebacker is officially over, is what I would say about that. He's because he's not. If Bynes is getting the bubble wrap, that's for sure. If they're both getting the bubble wrap, then you're not taking a look at Queen at Mike in the preseason. You've determined Josh Bynes is your middle linebacker, Queen is your will linebacker. And like you said, Malik Harrison looks like he made made this team uh in my opinion john uh with the way he's played up and down like we've seen with malik but it's just it's he's a tough guy to cut especially when you consider his role on special teams yeah i i think i think he's got the team made very clearly and, and part of what makes him valuable is the ability to step in at either will or mike uh, he's shown more in terms of uh, general things he can do. He still had some problems shedding blocks, and he still had a couple problems uh, missing tackles. But he's rushed the passer effectively. He's played some good run defense at times uh, when it hasn't been a question just of block shedding. Uh, I think he's been a fairly aware player in this preseason so far, so I like that. Um, I just I, I generally like what, I, what I've seen from him. And the other experiment that you keep hearing about ad infinitum is that he's going to move to outside linebacker. Ain't happening, folks. It ain't happening. The Ravens are are at the absolute apex of need at outside linebacker. They could not have more need. They actually had to, this week, they were planning to cut Chuck Wiley. They didn't do it. And Chuck Wiley ended up playing significant snaps and played very well, in fact. Mm-hmm. But they, they just, they're in no position to, to um, uh, turn down a viable outside linebacker option 
And yet, obviously, they, they want to see him be an inside linebacker, whether that's a Will or a Mike. So, Ken, uh, I had Mark down here, and I should have brought this up earlier, but I did have Stevens uh, with some slot action, Fuller on the outside, and, K- and mm-hmm. Kayvon Seymour playing some right cornerback. So I noticed that early in the game. Do you have something to say, Ken? Well, no, I just going to say, when they line up either two or three on one side, but it's, 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 Cardinals are a team that rarely goes one by one, but they're a team that, that f- fairly often goes either three on one side with just a tight end on the opposite and a running back, or sometimes with a um, two and two scheme of mm-hmm. wide receivers where, where you have four guys flexed and no tight end. If, if, if they do that, then a lot of the bets are off because the, 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 the things have to be done as matchup. And if he's in the slot, it doesn't really mean the same thing. It just means that's the receiver they want him matched up against. So they do that with Humphrey during the regular season, too. And if he's generally playing an outside corner, but he's playing a follow game where, you know, they want him on Tyreek Hill or somebody like that. Well, then they just they move him wherever Tyreek Hill goes. Right. And you'll see that like last second motion where the receivers kind of switch spots. You know, they're not full Mm -hmm. motion. Um, Where I was going with this is I saw uh, Christian Welch at the mic on the strong side. uh, And I saw Malik as your quote unquote starting will. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, when I was following the formations and that kind of thing, it was clear to me that that Malik is at the very least next man up uh, at Will linebacker. And then maybe there's going to be some competition between Welch and man, Josh Ross. Ken. Uh, yep. Wow. He's looked great. He, he looks great. And, you know, coming into the preseason, who was my guy? Ken, do you remember? Zacoby McLean, it. I, you, you liked him. And he's, Ross is clearly ahead of McLean on the depth charts now. There's been quite a changing of the totem pole. Fago, honestly, has never really got on the field at any significant time. He's been the last man in at inside linebacker, so I think we can kind of rule him out, although he might be a practice squad guy. Uh, and then that, that really leaves Ross and McLean fighting Welch for that fourth inside linebacker job, if there is one. And, and, Either or both of them could obviously make the practice squad. And either, I think Ross is actually the more likely based on what he's put on tape so far. Ross could be lost to another team if if he has to go through the waiver process. Yeah. So can I just speak on this group as a whole? Whatever you sure. like. Sure. Uh, you know, I think Fago might be might be one of the cuts we see on Wednesday because we have a lot to look at among the other guys there, even resting Bynes and Queen. Uh, you know, it would give you what four guys there to rotate throughout mm-hmm. the game. So Figo is a guy when I'm looking at, you know, who do we need to get us through the game? I don't see I, I see Figo as a guy that we can make one of the cuts and still get through the game without risk risking other players. Um, you know, I'm a huge Zacoby McLean fan. I fell in love with him watching him and got, you know, a lot of our Auburn games are out there. You can watch, you know, uh, the college all 22 or you can watch TV copy. I fell in love with the ricochet rabbit. Um, and, and the reason I'm saying this to everybody is because. Josh Ross has outplayed him, has has outplayed every single linebacker that we've had. Um, so, you know, I'm not a stubborn person, Ken, when it comes to that. <laughs> I, I, I think that Josh Ross has given us an opportunity to, quote, unquote, reset the clock on Christian Welch. You put Josh Ross on this team and have four years of control of him because he could very, very well succeed Patrick Queen and, um, and Josh Bynes in the coming years. And being being every down linebacker for you, I mean, the way he's played this preseason in coverage, Ken, we're not just talking about some splash yeah. plays here and there. We've seen him take on blocks like a maniac. We've seen him chase people down like a maniac. We've seen him not have the momentum and stand a player up. We've seen him make plays in coverage. 
Uh, Josh Ross needs to be on this team, and you just have the confidence that you can get a Christian Welch back on the practice squad, that kind of thing. He's been the only inside linebacker that's shown up at all in coverage uh, in this preseason. And Harrison's had his difficulties there. Um, we've, we've seen problems, obviously, from Welch, uh, who, who was never really a great uh, guy. I, I, we had one play in particular that really stood out to me as this always happens to the Ravens. And I'm finally you know, getting to see it happen to the Cardinals in this game. But it's one of Likely's catches, and he made it kind of in the the two part of the field here, which is between the numbers and the left hash. So if you read my articles, you ever see brackets around a number, that's the the, the, the slice of the field, one, two, three, four, five, uh, going from the left sideline to the right sideline. And so it was in the in the in the two space. But he's directly between two inside linebackers who were in the low zone area. And basically he just made a move where he looked like he was going a little deeper than he then he curled back between those two players about two yards behind each of them. And that showed a great awareness of Likely in, in, in that case because he realized that the other guys, the level three guys, were like eight yards behind him. The linebackers were like two yards in front of him, and they were no threat. There were no threat at all to read the play, what was going on, have any idea where he was. And, of course, uh, uh, Tyler tossed the ball in there like it was, like it was an easy pitch-and-catch throw, which it was. And, uh, and I just love to see that happening to another team. That's what I feel like with our inside linebackers in coverage the last few years, really uh, since the departure of Mosley, honestly, in terms of, of what you really get. LG Fort gave us a little bit for a year in there, but, um, but you know, we, it, they've been very limited in terms of what they get in coverage. So, yes, I, you know, in conclusion on that group, I expect them to keep four linebackers. And, uh, you know, I think that Harrison has, uh, you know, earned the right to stay on this team. And I think that Josh Ross is your clear linebacker, uh, you know, Really, to me, he would he would be next man up at, at any any position, even ahead of Malik. But I don't think the Ravens would do that, just because of his coverage skills. Ken, I love I love him. Mm-hmm. If there's a steep decline from um, from Bynes this year out of the blue, you know, it would be really nice to have a guy like Josh Ross that uh, is showing some true chops at middle linebacker. And by the way, I have to mention, I guess, uh, you know, coming from Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald in Michigan. Maybe he's familiar with what Mike McDonald is asking him to do in the middle of the field. Yeah, he should start with like a minus two for for coming from Michigan. Just yeah. for, for the thing, I just hate the, the the notion of that. But he's got the size to play linebacker. He's at two twenty nine, so he's not really undersized. Uh, sometimes those linebacker weights are inflated a little bit in terms of the roster. But uh, I, I agree. I think he's 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 a guy who probably can play Mike um, and 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 can play Will and and you have either. And I think. He gives you more versatility. He can do more things on a football field than Christian Welch can at this point. And the resetting the clock makes a ton of sense. So you, what you're giving up for in terms of honed special team skills with Welch for Ross, I don't think I, I don't think you you fail to make that trade for even a second if you have the option. Hey Ken, I, I, I noticed this question from one of my friends, Otavio, um, young doctor in Brazil, by the way, a young man mm-hmm. that I've been rooting for, one of my first uh, YouTube channel uh, supporters. So Tavio, I love you out there, buddy, and I hope things are going well uh, as a doctor. Uh, but his question was, if the coaches want to use Queen on third down, what do you think of using him as we use Judon in the race car package, AKA what Otavio is getting at is more of a pass rusher Choosing what you got to attack instead of you know covering at the second level, 
think he would do really well. But of course, Otavio is with us again, hoping that he sees more quarter and maybe some dime packages as well. What do you think about, uh, you know, using Queen as a pseudo just pass rusher uh, on some of these downs? I think that's basically where they've been, you know, the last couple of years in terms of how he can help the team. It's it's mostly there. If you telegraph who's covering, uh, sorry, who's rushing, you give away a lot of what you have in terms of the play. So, the, so the yes, it's true. Bowser has played off ball some, and sometimes he's he's rushing the passer, and sometimes he's not. The nice thing about Bowser is he can really cover. Judon has done that, and again, Judon, one of the better coverage linebackers uh, in the league, so he had a lot of value there. Asking Queen to do it, you ask him to play off ball, and if if you're just telegraphing the fact you're blitzing, well, they know now how to how to adjust and pick up that blitz. It's it's less exciting to me to have him on the field that you, you really you need to have specialists and I don't I, I like having him on when it's a you know his speed might be dangerous in a lot of different ways whether it's tracking down a run play spying a quarterback doing other things I, I love having his speed on the field for that I, I don't like having his coverage skills on the field specifically on third down I think he just hurts you in so many ways uh, you know, based on what we've seen so far. And, and of course, we're all hoping for a huge step forward from Patrick Queen this year. And we haven't, you know, we have not seen any live fire to, to really know if he's, if anything has changed over the summer. Uh, so it's, it, we're going to be kind of in the dark, I think, until, until uh, New Jersey on opening day. So yes, Otavio, you know, your last sentence, hoping that we use the quarter package instead or a dime package. That's, that's where I am too. And that's where we can say, and basically where he is. But, um, but yes, you know, I love Queen as a pass rusher. I think he's one of the better blitzing linebackers that I see week in and week out in the NFL. Um, it's the thing that uh, stood out to me very, very quickly early in his rookie season is his ability to get skinny, get through a gap, and then change directions like we saw from Travis Jones on his uh, sack this week. Obviously a bigger man out in space, uh, but Queen can change his, his directions and pounce on you. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of his tackling style anyway. He's not driving through people. He kind of kind of jumps on. Twister. Yeah, he's a twister, kind of jumps on their back. But, um, but yes, if, if Queen is, uh, you know, in, a, in an obvious passing down, man, I, I love him rushing the quarterback, definitely. Yeah, and, and I, I like him rushing the quarterback in a non-obvious passing down. There you go. So in an obvious passing down, I want him off the field. <laughs> there you go, yeah. It's just that simple. Understood. So, hey, I'm trying um, to be positive yeah. over here, Ken. I'm trying to be that's positive. That's all right. You're, I, you know what? I, I really just hope Queen comes on the field and everything his parents said and his coaches and everybody about his third year is always his breakout year. It's all true. And all of a sudden we have, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate uh, who's who's just playing at a different level. So, you know, it, it does happen sometimes. And, and uh, you know, hopefully hopefully Queen is one of those players. All right. So, what group have we not talked about? Outside well, linebacker. Yes, yeah, so we, we had really a, a uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Garnett West, uh, Sergeant West. <laughs> if you're out there, sir, uh, ask the question. And, and we certainly appreciate it as I'm looking at uh, your avatar here, which is looks a little controversial. Uh, what is your comfort level for you gentlemen in regards to the outside linebacker positions? He's throwing left guard in there. So maybe we save that for the offensive show, Ken, if you want to uh, comfort level outside linebacker position. Ken. Uh, yeah, I, right now I'm not very comfortable at all, obviously. And, and we've kind of had this on the show every week, so I don't want to rehash it completely, but you know, they're playing outside linebackers, number five through eight uh, right now. Their, their top four guys are all, effectively sidelined. Oway played a few more snaps this game, so maybe you can say he was in there. 
looked to me like Owe is really not going at full speed, even in this game. Not even really looking to to give his A pass rush moves that we've heard about uh, a lot. I think that that uh, he'll he won't play in this last game. At least they'll try not to play him. Maybe they'll maybe they'll you know have him suit up just because they're so short on outside linebackers. But I think they'd like to get through this game with Wiley and and Moon doing most of the uh, work and maybe some Stephen Means in there as well um, and, and some Dalen Hayes. But they, I, I think those guys are really the five through eight outside linebackers. And there's not any guy who's really obvious that he's going to contribute a lot this year. Dalen Hayes, I was very hopeful for, uh, but I'm but I'm concerned now about him. And I think the Ravens will want to have five outside linebackers on this team. So it, to, to me, it's it's um, it's a big question mark still. For me too. I mean, Chuck Wiley, as you mentioned, you know, was reportedly let go or almost let go and then brought back. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Moon, you know, I, I saw him get blown off the line of scrimmage by a tight end by a good three to five yards on one play, and that's that's going to be an issue for him. That's the reason I bring it up is just because that's the way he's built. He's a long, lanky. Uh, type pass rusher who has a lot of strengths, but edge setting is not going to be one of them. Uh, away, yeah, he he looked like he was, uh, you know, he's ready for the season. Uh, Justin Houston, obviously, you know what you get, what you get, but um, you know, I was a little bit surprised that Stephen Means, who I look at as strictly a rush linebacker, was playing on the other side. Uh, looked like we were using some four man fronts. Ken, uh, maybe you have that that written down, but uh, Stephen Means, Dale and Hayes look like it looks like we're going to be. Re- relying on them to play a little bit here early. And um, I don't have a problem with either one of them's play. I wouldn't say that Stephen Means or Dalen Hayes have just been terrible when I've seen them on the field these first two games. But, uh, you know, Means had a flash play with the sack. But Dalen Hayes is a guy I want to say that um, I'm a little disappointed with compared to my own expectations. Not that he's Mm -hmm. disappointed the Ravens or the fan base, but I really thought Dalen Hayes – would make some splash plays like we saw last preseason and really build on a, a wow, this guy is a starting caliber player type preseason. And it's been more up and down. He's done well. He's dominated the man in front of him. But, uh, I, you know, I kind of want to see more from Dalen Hayes, Ken. I want to see him more as a more as a coverage guy, frankly. Okay. He got beat a couple of times in this particular game. And if you're a Sam linebacker, the first real question in terms of playing that position is, can you cover? I mean, you, you want a guy who can set the edge. You want a guy who can rush the passer. But since a lot of the duties there, you're going to be dropping off the line of scrimmage a lot. And those are high leverage. The value of that tight end target is, is you know, fairly high leverage. Or, you know, even playing effective zone defense, uh, if that's what you end up doing, just dropping to a low zone. Uh, you, you need guys who can do that. And Bowser is just at a different level. And so our expectations can get all screwed up. The same way, you know, you're trying to replace Ray Lewis at inside linebacker and nobody's good enough. Uh, but but Hayes really hasn't provided anything in coverage so far. And, you know, what he's done as a pass rusher, I had him scored with a couple pressures in this one. I noticed PFF did not, which was a little surprising to me. Um, but uh, he has not shown terrific ability to rush the passer and he's been blocked by some eligible receivers which is something i really noticed in the first game being more of a problem that's something i'm a stickler on ken uh, that's what yep. i mentioned with moon um do you have the tight end blocking you like ken said eligible receiver you better be dismissing that man quickly if you're a, a big league edge setter um, unless it's a nick boyle i mean or somebody just ridiculously big and strong and technical sound but um you shouldn't be Tight end shouldn't be pushing you around in a preseason game, put it that way. Uh, so, yes, you know, uh, I am concerned, Garnett. Um, 
uh, sir. Maybe we can talk about that later, but we're, we're going to need uh, Tyus Bowser. Uh, you know, I want to see the practice report by the time you get this video out, Ken, by this time you, I want to see Bowser and Stanley just out there, please, you know, like give us some hope for that. They'll be ready early in the season um, because we're going to need Tyus when this defense it is. It'll be a big deal if they bring them off PUP because that'll really mean they believe that they'll be ready sometime before. Uh, PUP is only four weeks this year, so it, you know they it, it, they really believe that the player will be ready in the first three is what that means. That's right. And and that would be a nice uh, that would be very nice to see. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. Can just give them out on the field like we saw with Marcus. They don't have to be going full speed right away or anything like that, but it would just, from what you just said, can the confidence standpoint that they'll be ready sooner than later. Yeah, I, 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 I got to be clear about this. If they come off PUP, I want them to be ready to play before the end of that three weeks. I don't want this to be something they do for the player's benefit. Like it's almost seemed to be for J.K. Dobbins. Like he's saying, I'm not hurt. You're hurt kind of thing. And, and he, really wants to, he really wants to come off PUP really badly. If it's not in the team's best interest and it's and and the player just wants it for personal reasons or to win an argument against a talk show host, that's that's not good enough for me. He has to actually be ready to help the team within that period. And uh, the Ravens have option value they get by keeping the player on PUP. Uh, you don't want to throw that away until you're sure it's going to work out in terms of the player being ready to go. There you go, Ken. Nothing, nothing really else to add. Suck MVPs for the game here because it was a it was a fairly cool defensive effort here. Let's go three to one with, like we usually do. Who's your number three? Ooh, I did not do a three to one, Ken. I apologize. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm looking at Pepe Williams as my number one guy, and you know if I had to say two and three, it's those backup defensive linemen, um, Mac and uh, and Aaron Crawford. I just it, it's not for anything statistical. Uh, Josh Ross deserves mention. I hope you mentioned him in there, but I love the depth on the defensive line. Um, and of course I'm in love with, uh, the fact that Pepe's game looks like it's translating to the big leagues here. Yeah, he, he definitely looks like the real deal. He is my number one guy. Uh, Mac, my number two guy. I had him for nine pressure events in this wow. game. Nine pressure events in a single game. And that does not happen often. Um, I think actually Jalen Ferguson had a game like that last preseason though. So it doesn't immediately mean Jalen Ferguson, obviously an edge rusher. He's got a better chance to get nine pressure events. Nine pressure events from an interior defensive lineman is ridiculous uh, for a single game. Uh, and then uh, Wiley and Jones, I split it as the as the third guy. Travis Jones, a, a man among boys yeah. in terms of what he's doing. The only thing that was bad, and the reason I didn't give him as good a score in my article, if people looked at that, he got a zero for the game, is because of the injury. And that score is how much do I think he'll affect the Ravens how much has the needle moved since the beginning of camp of how much I think he'll affect the Ravens in 2022? And honestly, the injury probably probably knocks him back a little bit if it weren't for the incredible game that he had where he was just dominating as well. So he got a zero anyway for the game overall. And uh, I know people are going to look at that and say, well, how did you make him your number three guy? And you gave him a zero. But that's I've explained as well as I can. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> I'll do that. Chuck Wiley, uh, ridiculously good, really took over the game late. Uh, along with uh, Richard Nichols um, down the stretch. And uh, they both looked terrific, I thought. Wiley, uh, a number of pressure events that he was part of as well. Good depth on this team, good depth on this defense. Let's hope, uh, you know, let's all relax and hope we can keep as many of them as possible because I, I like what they have going here, Ken. It's not pretty all the time, but you can see the obvious skills. And when we start playing in real game situations, 
and really start scheming guys to their strengths. Um, you know, just looking a little bit deeper into it. I think we really have something with this defense, man. We just, we need, we need Marcus. We need Bowser on that field to really maximize that. Yeah, I, I agree. But we've still seen, even in just two preseason games, how valuable it can be to have eyes on the football. And, you know, when the other teams, I mean, the first game um, against the Titans, I'll get this right in a second, the Titans, right. The Titans defensive backs were in this man coverage, particularly on Shamar Bridges multiple times where they never found the football. And the Ravens in this game had a couple of plays where they didn't find the football. One to Chris Worley. Um, but but the what we see more out of the Ravens was when they're laying back in zone defense, eyes are on the football, a lot of opportunities to undercut routes, Pepe. You know, has had undercut opportunities. We saw Fuller have an undercut opportunity, actually two in this game. Uh, you know, these are all good things. And it's what's going to make this team really dangerous with the lead this year is the ability to lay back, play some zone defense, force the quarterback to uh, make some mistakes with, with some decent pass rush, and then watch the fireworks start to happen. There you go. Love it, Ken. All right. Always a pleasure talking football with you, Jason. Tell folks where they can find yourself. Sure. Um, Huddle It Up Films on YouTube is is what I'd like to plug tonight. Um, I have my co-host mentioned Garnett West. He's my co-host. That was the inside jokes cracking there. And I also am working with Ashley Priyanka as my co-host, and she is doing a wonderful job. Uh, She's brought some energy to our show, Ken. Uh, She plays referee. She has great thoughts. She was bringing up Peyton Manning's uh, control at the line of scrimmage. Um, she's shocking a lot of people, uh, letting the cat out the bag, something that I've known, got to know her, a chance to know her over the, uh, the summer. So we go online, uh, on live, excuse me, live Wednesdays, 8.30. Of course, the replay is available on the YouTube channel. Uh, so if you go to Huddle It Up Films on YouTube, I would really love to encourage people to come on and join, like like Ken. Come on in and uh, send me a comment or question, Ken. I could use the support uh, from any of Ken's listeners. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a good time. Uh, Ken can attest to how Garnett and I can be. We've been on his show together. Uh, it's like brothers talking football, and we got our little sis with us now, and uh, we're just having a blast. A lot of information. Uh, but also, you know, like I said, keeping it fun, keeping it friendly and letting everybody speak a lot of comments in there. I've been really enjoying the first two weeks, Ken. That sounds great. Garnet's a, 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 a great guy. I, I uh, love him to death and uh, uh, always fun to talk football with him or a lot of other things in life. He's, a, he's just a nice guy. Uh, don't know Priyanka, but I'm, I'm going to be making contact with her sometime about being on a show if she's if she's interested in that. Maybe we can pass that along. Other folks out there, I, I want to do uh, two things tonight. You, you, you hear, normally hear my pitch to do a film study short. Love to have you on. DM on, DMs on Twitter are always open. Hit me up there. Number two is if you would, if you're getting to an hour and 23 into the show as we are right now, um, with some ads tossed in there, it might be over an hour and 30. So if you would, you're the most loyal listeners we've got. Go out and write us a review, if you would. We, we have a, a number out there, but it's always good to kind of gradually build this number up, if you can. And, and maybe tell some other people what the, why they ought to listen to Film Study. And I uh, would really appreciate it if you did that. And uh, it won't take much of your time, I don't think, to, to go write uh, uh, 30 words or less on, on exactly why, that, uh, why that's a good thing. Last thing. We're thinking we're talking about taking this to a live show as well. So you already heard Jason talk about his streaming, um, his show. We're talking about streaming Monday and Tuesday night at 11 p.m. If you have interest in that, I'd like you to bring that topic up 
online, just just give me an ad or a retweet of anybody else doing it or whatever. Um, hit me up if you'd like to hear that uh, on a regular basis, and, and we'll consider doing it. We never edit these shows. I never go back and, and try and say, well, I didn't like the way I said I, I, I three times in a row there. Can you take that out? Or, or you know, if, if I've said something unfortunate, it's it's in there. I didn't I didn't think about that. I, I go I mute the mic once per show, probably in terms of, of starting to talk and somebody has to tell me I'm muted. Never try and go back and fix that. So we're not trying. We You know, we want a live, authentic experience, probably like what Jason Garnett and Priyanka are trying for. And it, it'd be great to have that uh, and have some other people involved asking questions kind of on the fly that we can react to. If you're interested in that let me know and we'll, we'll, we'll consider moving this to being a live show instead of a recorded pod. Yeah, Ken, what's up with that, man? You know, I stutter sometimes. I could use some editing on here, but we are, we do <laughs> we do kind of like uh, go commando on your show, Ken. I think it would be great to hear you live. So it, that's a lot of fun. But yes, I, I love hearing the comments from the people. And they'll, sometimes they'll argue amongst themselves or debate amongst themselves in the comments. But uh, you know how I am, Ken. I always like to bring up their comment. And we'll toss it around the table and and give our you know it, it's just a, a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I, I hope I hope to you know once we get our feet wet together, Garnett, Ashley, and I, I would like to have guests on the program. I would like to hear from some of the uh, our more um, you know consistent viewers. Just a great time on Wednesdays at eight thirty. So if you watch that Ravens live, if they come out with Ravens uh, Wired, excuse me, Wednesdays at eight. That's why I figure Ken maybe eight thirty on Wednesdays. People are still on my marketing strategy sir i don't know how you feel about that's, that that's clever indeed you should be done with all your analysis certainly by wednesday from a sunday game and and from a monday game maybe not a fully prepared but but pretty close in terms of where you are uh like the inclu- inclusivity of it because you know not everyone can be the co-host on an offensive defensive pod i have to be kind of selective about that but i'd like to have a, a, as broad an audience as possible and if people connect you know come join and ask a question. I think that's a, you know, that's a real positive thing. So uh, looking forward to doing that. Jason, I just want to thank you again for coming on this show. It's always a pleasure to talk football with you and really appreciate having you on. You're so welcome, Ken. Thank you for having me. Football is family. Love you, buddy. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.